0: Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Happy Stash Day, everyone. Why is it called that? Because we're two weeks from the NBA trade deadline. And this feels like as good a time to Eddie to remind you all that we will have fantasy live trade deadline coverage from 9 a.m. Pacific time. Until after the deadline concludes. Generally the show goes until about one o'clock, about an hour after, because trades do trickle in that first you know, fifteen minutes, twelve to twelve fifteen range Pacific time. Last couple of years, uh I'm thinking last year, I don't know if we got anything after the buzzer last season. We might have. Who can keep it all straight in one's head? Point is we try to go on earlier than everybody else, get things going. Basically, look, here's the thing. I'm on Pacific time, so getting going much earlier than that is going to be exceedingly difficult, uh, minus various childcare issues. If I can, we'll try to push it as early as 8.30. Right now, put it it down in your books as a 9 o'clock start time for our Sports Ethos Trade Deadline live coverage show two weeks from today, running through the deadline, commercial-free, over on the Sports Ethos YouTube page which, geez, I haven't promoted that on here in forever, but it's YouTube.com slash Sports Ethos. I think there's only like a couple thousand subs, uh, but make sure to check that out. Make sure to check that out because that'll be coming there. Uh, It's going to be free. We're going to have analysts from across Sports Ethos. We'll see if we can get some folks in from elsewhere. If you guys have been a part of these in the past, you know that we have an absolute blast. I often put on a sport coat, I make no promises about that crap this year, because damn it, we're in two—you two years into a pandemic. Why the hell do I gotta wear a sport coat anymore? But anyway, Stash Day. Thursday is Stash Day. That's that's the way it is. I didn't make the rules; I just follow them. Two weeks from the trade deadline. Happy Stash Day. I'm Dan Vespers at Dan Vespers on Twitter. D A N B E S B R I S. This, of course, a Sports Ethos presentation. They are at Ethos Fantasy B K on Twitter. The best damn fantasy news feed on planet Earth. Please go check them out, and SportsEthos.com. Don't worry, we will break down the Big Wednesday recap. There were plenty of interesting ball games yesterday. Ten gamers, so you know something's coming out of it. But before we do that, I wanted to do a little bit of a rehash on Stash. Rehash and Stash. A couple weeks back, I mentioned a few names that I thought might be something to look toward. The reason, the other reason, in addition to it being two weeks from the trade deadline, that I thought today was a really good day to do it, is because I think this is when most fantasy players do really start to think about the trade deadline. There's always going to be the stragglers that go late, and there's always going to be the maniacs that are stashing for the trade deadline in November. Here's my thing. To those of you that stashed two months early, what are you doing? To me, the only reason to stash that early in a fantasy league is, well, there's two reasons. Reason number one is your league is too easy. If you're thumping everyone that hard that you can just squat on a player that sucks for two months on the chance that they get better, your, your league is too easy. It means you're not competing enough because most of us actually need our roster slots in leagues. And th- this has been a real pain in the ass for me because the more times, the more I, of you guys, listeners, and sports ethos readers, and premium subs that I put into my leagues, the harder I have to freaking work. That was dumb. That's why I'm trying out some pro leagues this year because I don't think anybody knows who I am, and I'm going by an alias in those anyway. <laughs> but I think for most of us, oh, sorry. Reason number two to stash someone for two months is because you just want to feel like the the smartest person in the room, which I, I get it for me to say that. I don't mean to piss you off because I'm sure there's some of you listening to this podcast and like, screw you, Dan. I don't, that's not what I am, but that's what this becomes generally because with those two months, you could have done any number of things. You could have found really good fantasy pickups on the wire during those two months that have emerged over the last eight to ten weeks. I mean, you know, think about it, like you're probably not gonna find too many guys that weren't drafted that are rolling in the top twenty-five over that stretch. But, you know, someone like Gary Trent was an early season pickup for most. I drafted him in a lot of spots. Somehow. I don't know how that kept happening. Uh, Desmond Bain was going at the very end of draft, pickups early in the year that have worked out really well. Bobby Portis. Tyrese Maxey, Alex Caruso, really interesting early season pickup. And as you get into that like 75 to 100 range, then there's a ton of dudes that were on the wire. Jared Vanderbilt, about a month into the season, locked down that starter's job. Josh Hart, generally undrafted, locked down that job. LaMarcus Aldridge, we didn't even know he was playing at draft time. So if you're sitting on and I and I know what you guys are thinking. You're like, well, I have other roster slots I can play with. But if you don't have all the available slots, it so dramatically reduces your ability to be the team that has these guys. Jalen Brunson is another one that popped up post-draft. Kevin Love. He wasn't drafted. I promise you he wasn't drafted in any standard leagues. Like, not any. Pat Beverly, generally undrafted, has had a really good season to this point. I could go on and on. I won't. I won't. I could. I won't. The point is, no one's going to have a 100% hit rate. A lot of these guys bounce on and off of rosters guys on the, the, in the free agent pool, I should say. They bounce on and off of rosters for months. The reason it's important to have those roster slots is you know, while you're adding and dropping Alec Burks over and over again, when I say you, I, I pretty much mean me, you want to have another roster slot to play with if someone like Pat Beverly popped up, if someone like Jalen Brunson popped up. You want to be able to get those guys that then roll, you know, Pat Bev, when he's healthy, he's top 80. Jalen Brunson, when he's right, he's in the 90s. When Luca's out, he's in the 60s. These are guys you probably would have missed on, or certainly had a higher chance of missing on, if one of your three bench slots is just dead weight for half the season. So I just, I cannot advocate stashing that early. That said, two weeks from today, the trade deadline, it's very much time to start thinking about it. And so what I thought might be kind of an interesting exploration today is to very quickly, this is more like a lightning round kind of deal. Look at every team in the NBA for possible stashes, every single team, but it's going to be really fast and we're not going to break down why. Uh eh, maybe we will a little bit, but it's, it's quite fast. Like, you know, if we go back and just work our way through teams, mo- most recent ball games, uh, it's, it's pretty quick to like point out who on these teams might be worth stashing. For instance, if we go back and just look at yesterday's games, uh, Indiana is a really obvious one. Who do you stash on Indiana in advance of a trade deadline? Well, they're pretty much all there already. Because all the starters are pretty much sitting already. So like a Chris Duarte is an interesting trade deadline stash. Um, Tori Craig, Goga Batadze, a little bit less excited about those guys because someone coming back. Probably gets in the way. Damanis Sabonis definitely gets in the way. But that's kind of what we're talking about. Cleveland, no one really. Milwaukee, no one really. Clippers, Isaiah Hartenstein. Orlando, eh. So what happens if they trade Gary Harris, Terrence Ross, and Mo Bamba? Chuma Okiki? I don't know, man. Jalen Suggs is taking all the usage on that team. But Chuma, put Chuma on the list. So Duarte, Hartenstein, Chuma, on the Knicks, nobody. The Heat, eh, nobody really, unless you're looking at Victor Oladipo coming back, but uh, I don't trust him as far as I can throw him. Sacramento has a few names. Chamezi Metu, if Barnes and or Rashawn Holmes get moved. Marvin Bagley, if those other guys get moved. But if Bagley gets moved, it probably comes back to Metu again. We've heard De'Aaron Fox is off the trade market, but Buddy Heald is very much on it. And I also happen to believe, I happen to think... That Fox actually is still on the trade market. So, Terrence Davis, also on the potentials list. Atlanta, I think Gallinari. DeAndre Hunter are interesting stashes. Hunter's generally added already, so that sort of doesn't make him one. But Gallo, if they move another wing, we saw he was real close to fantasy value. Denver? Meh. Brooklyn? Meh. Toronto? Meh. Chicago? Meh. I don't think Trade deadline stuff is what's going to shake out in those places. Uh, Memphis, we've been riding Brandon Clark for a while now, but De'Anthony Melton, very much a trade deadline stash. Spurs, Devin Vassell, what if they move someone in front of him? Phoenix, nobody. Utah, nobody. Dallas, nobody. Someone might come into Dallas and have value, but no one on the team right now. Uh, and Portland, look, again, this is another team where pretty much everybody that might have deadline value like a nasir little they're probably on rosters already so that very quickly knocked out 20 of the 30 nba teams let's just go back this is almost like a reverse chronological lightning round game this is easier for me by the way than going through the list alphabetically um washington the centers in washington if one of them gets moved that player could have value at another spot or the remaining ones could have value in washington so that's Generally, I would say Thomas Bryant at the top of that heap, then Gafford, Montres Harrell would kind of be my third choice there. If the Wizards trade Bradley Beal, Spencer Dinwiddie, who's way over-rostered, but to me, he, he would be a stash at this point. Denny Avia is a possible stash at this point, too. The Pistons. Jeremy Grant, he should be added just because he's good, but Kelly Olynyk, if he comes back and guys get out of the way, Hamadou Diallo is a potential stash, depending on who gets moved to the deadline, although he's pretty, he's farther down my board. New Orleans, I think they're actually trying to make a run at it, so nobody. Philly, nobody. Lakers, nobody. Who haven't we talked about yet? Celtics, nobody. Rockets, Oper and Shengun. as much as I hate that he's been on rosters for three and a half months. He is very much a stash now. Would I stash anybody else on the Rockets? Well, the assumption here is that Eric Gordon is going to get moved. I don't know that that really does enough for the other guys. The one I would like to see elevated to more consistent playing time is Garrison Matthews because we've seen he has a good enough fantasy stat set where a lot of these other guys have giant holes in their game. K.J. Martin would be another one I'd love to see play more. I just don't think those guys end up as a large enough beneficiary post-deadline. Minnesota, nobody really. And the Warriors, nobody really either. Was that it? Did we do all 30? Uh, Thunder. Oh, the Thunder. The Thunder, I think, is the only one we didn't mention there. Um, Josh Giddy's on rosters already. And that would be about it. They Again, they don't really have veterans on the move. You're like, oh, what if this guy gets out of the way for this guy? Those young guys are already playing and... The only one that's had fantasy value to this point of the year is Shea, hanging out just inside the top 50. Everybody else is top 140 or worse. But the assumption here is that Giddy's going to slowly continue to figure things out. He probably will. Nothing is a guarantee. But if he's floating around somewhere, you certainly do something about it. And that is your lightning round stash frenzy recap here. What I'd like to do next week, by the way, this isn't the end of the show, so don't like think Dan's wrapping it up here. Next week, as we get even closer to the trade deadline, we'll take that list, we'll pare it down to the ones that I believe have the largest probability of hitting value after the trade deadline. And then there's going to be a million other things that pop up. So as much prep as we do here, you know, you can put all these guys on a, a notepad document, you can star them all, put them on your watch list in Yahoo Leagues or whatever thing you do. Someone we don't expect is going to come up. That's how these things work. It's either someone who gets traded or something that clears out room for someone who isn't traded. It's impossible to cover them all. And that's why you guys need to join us for our live trade deadline show on that Thursday morning, which, by the way, hamstrings me every year. Because I'm on that show, and all of you guys are making moves in leagues that I'm in, and I'm like fumbling around like a moron trying to make the moves as well, trying to decide in a head-to-head league if... I should do it while I'm also talking on the live show. It's not good for me. It's not good. Oh, man, I remember. Like, that's another thing, too. Plan ahead. Uh, I know next week isn't the deadline, and I'll remind you guys of this on on some show next week. Don't use roster moves in head-to-head leading up to the trade deadline. Save them all for Thursday morning. It's hard to do, but use them the week before. Try to set yourself up for the front end of trade deadline week the week before if you can is the trade deadline at the all-star break again is that how they've done it what day is the nba all-star weekend that's the 20th no okay so that's a week later ah yeah okay so the trade deadline actually happens mid-season again remember when they they paired those up for a little bit here separated them once more Get that deadline a little earlier. That was part of it. They wanted the deadline to go earlier so teams would have their the guys they're trading for longer. Makes them more valuable. Makes them more likely to make a move. This portion of the show is brought to you by our friends at thrivefantasy.com and the Thrive Fantasy app. Prop up, people, with prop bets at Thrive Fantasy. No longer, no longer must you toil at the deepest corners of the darkest dumpster's in DFS gaming. No longer must you try to figure out if Saban Lee is going to play six minutes in a ball game and take four shots. No longer! No longer must you try to figure out if Jeremiah Robinson Earl is going to log more than 19 minutes in a basketball game. No longer must you determine if Matt Thomas... Is worth playing on the Chicago Bulls? Because at Thrive Fantasy, you only need to focus on the names, the big names, the superstars, the folks you care about. 20 prop bets to choose from, you pick 10. Overs and unders, if you get the most points from your selections, you win money in the Thrive Fantasy Tournament du jour. deposit match bonus and multiple free game vouchers with just a $10 deposit using promo code ETHOS, E-T-H-O-S. Head on over there, throw $10 in the account, and you get another $10 on the deposit match and two $20 contest entry vouchers. $60 of play for $10 of deposit at thrivefantasy.com with promo code ETHOS. Check them out now a fantastic partner. You guys are going to have a lot of fun. I really I promise you're going to enjoy yourself. It's fun. In my estimation, it's better than traditional DFS. I know that plenty of folks out there love regular DFS. I'm just not one of them. So something different, something special. This is right up my alley. Thrive Fantasy, they've got the app, Apple's uh Apple Store, Android Store, wherever you got to go, or the computer, thrivefantasy.com. That's where my old people like me go to play it. Check it out now. Pivoting into the recap portion of the proceedings, and we'll start at the top on a busy Wednesday night with one of the least interesting games. Charlotte beat Indiana 158-126. to That is not a basketball game. It's certainly one that fantasy players enjoyed. Sort of. It's weird because because of the blowout element. It could have been better, although... Charlotte really let LaMelo Ball go. I think they wanted to let him get to a triple-double. He did. Uh, rest of the starters were yanked early on both sides, which is a damn shame because our guy Torrey Craig was finally having a better ball game. Slowed down, obviously, in the second half. Indiana really couldn't get anything going in the second half. Goga Bitadze got off to a slow start, then played better, then slowed down again. Justin Holiday got off to a great start and then totally slammed on the brakes. Chris Duarte, Karis LeVert, all these guys didn't get to play because they were so horrible. And that, of course, is an issue with this Indiana team right now. They are bad. Down Brogdon, Sabonis, and Miles Turner, they're bad right now. They were meh before. Now they're terrible. I don't have any massive fantasy notes on this game other than to say... Look, there's a very real argument to be made to just not deal with the Pacers right now. Because they've got all these streamers that could work out, but not if the games aren't competitive. So no, I don't think you need to stick with Patadze. It sounds like Demonis Sabonis might be back by this weekend, thank the good lord. Although, frankly, Sabonis coming back probably keeps the games more competitive for a guy like Torrey Craig, for a guy like Justin Holliday, for a guy like Karis LeVert, for a guy like Chris Duarte. Those dudes probably get a bump because they actually get to play the fourth quarter. Still, other than Levert, maybe Duarte? I don't know. I'm, I've am i soured on pretty much all of them. Yeah, I mean, obviously not Levert, but more or less all of them. And then with Charlotte, this is what we talked about with Ubre. He gets hot sometimes, and you better have him in your lineup when he does. So you kind of take the good with the bad there. Nothing else of note other than just more evidence that the oh wait there was one one other thing of note sorry the non-notable thing is that mason plumley and pj washington continue to split the center minutes and both of them are not useful the notable thing is that gordon hayward is in protocols uh so cody martin has some stream ability but he doesn't like shooting he likes to do all the other things which means we're gonna need like 34 minutes a game out of this dude so it's not a must stream kind of proposition Cleveland, a blowout win over Milwaukee. I did not see that one coming. Cavs did, didn't have to deploy their big guys late in this game. Darius Garland only had to play 26 minutes, so they did leave and come back. Jared Allen came back from the flu, and he was meh. But their defense was great again. Evan Mobley's defense was very good. Dean Wade got the start, but only played 13 minutes. Isaac Okoro started, played 29 minutes, and he didn't do anything with them. Uh GD Osman came off the bench for twenty-three, which I think actually is newsworthy. Not because you're out to pick up Osman, but rather we were watching Dean Wade and Okoro to see if either one of those guys could kind of step into the Larry Markenin stuff. And the answer is no. It really just has been a crap load of Kevin Love in the last couple of ball games. Wade was okay in the previous one, but you know, if this is the way it's gonna be one up, one down kind of thing, it's not good enough. So just enjoy the Kevin Love Fest for now. And over on the Milwaukee side, weird ball game. Chris Middleton, Bobby Portis were good. Giannis hit his free throws, but his other stuff was kind of down. And then Pat Connaughton was okay, filling in for Grayson Allen. Dante DiVincenzo played 28 minutes off the bench. He was meh. George Hill was bad. Drew Holiday was bad. Strange game. Good defense by the Cavs. Clippers beat Orlando on the road. This is another one where the Clips went hot hand style. Amir Coffey played 34 minutes. He's got warm again, so if you want to roll a stream on him until he cools off, that's fine. Nick Batum played through back spasms and actually played quite well. 12 points, 7 boards, 2 assists, a steal, four three pointers on 4 out of 7. Shooting quietly, another very good Roto game. If he's fully healthy, he probably plays a few more minutes, and that's the rub with Batum right now. He's not, and I don't know when he ever will be fully healthy. As much as I love his Roto game, that's always going to be hanging over it. Luke Kennard stayed hot, 6 out of 9 shooting from the field and 3 of 3 at the free throw line, 32 minutes. There are, as we've talked about before, holes in his fantasy game, which I'm, like, minimally bullish on Kennard. That's where I'm at with him. Hardenstein played a good first half, didn't do much in the second half. Zubats is slipping into a bit of a timeshare, but I think you're holding there for now. And what did this game do for us on the Clippers' front? It didn't do much. It sort of solidified Luke Kennard as a late-round proposition. It solidified Batum as a guy who, if he's good enough to play, you kind of have to start him, but it might not be the case that he's healthy enough to go most games or some games. And then Amir Coffey, we figured out that he kind of runs hot and cold. And when the usage is up, when the dander is up, it's good to go. Uh, Mo Bamba had issues early in this game and then kind of came back to, to solve them later. Still wasn't a good one, but he salvaged it. Wendell Carter Jr. is kind of a similar story. He fouled out, actually, in 31 minutes. Jalen Suggs came back to earth. What I liked about Orlando in this game is they actually let Franz Wagner and Cole Anthony do some orchestrating. It wasn't all Jalen Suggs. And this is what we talked about earlier this week, which is there's an adjustment period happening with Orlando. How do Cole Anthony and Suggs in particular play together on the floor. Who's on-ball, who's off-ball. And this one, Anthony was more an on-ball guy. Suggs shifted a little bit more off-ball. And I thought Orlando was more competitive this way. But this is why we were talking about Cole Anthony as a potential buy low. Because Suggs coming back, yeah, that was going to put a dent into him, but not the kind of dent we saw. It overdented. This is... This is not a, uh, an abrupt one-game turnaround, but this is an indicator that there is a chemistry that will happen eventually. And you'll see glimpses of it, and then glimpses will become slightly more frequent, and slightly more frequent will become most of the time, and that's why you buy low ahead of that. Miami beat up on New York. This game wasn't as close as the final score would indicate. The uh, Heat didn't have to play their big dogs late. Draymond Adebayo on the Miami side. 6.8 boards, 11 assists, 2 steals, 1 block for Bam. Jimmy did Jimmy stuff. 22-6-5, 2 steals on 7 out of 8 shooting and 8 of 9 at the free throw line. Duncan Robinson's on one of his heaters right now, so you probably need to ride it. And that's about it for Miami. Knicks are a disaster these days, especially on offense. Offensively, they are not good at all. Defensively, sometimes they can pull it together. Miami just dissected them. So, you know, it's funny. These teams all play the Lakers and just like Miami beat up on the Lakers and everybody's like, oh, my Lakers are falling apart. Or what was the one before that? Indiana beat up on the Lakers, had that big comeback. Lakers are falling apart. Then Indiana went in and beat Golden State. That was before. And then that was in a game everybody was resting. Now nobody's playing for the Pacers. This is the same kind of thing. Everything, for whatever reason, the NBA is super strange. Everybody gets graded against the Lakers, even when they're not a great team. The Lakers lost the Heat. Oh, that must be a Lakers problem. Nah, man, the Heat are really good, and they have their guys back now. They were winning games without Bam and Jimmy. They got their two best players back on the floor. So, hell yeah, they're going to start smoking teams. As far as the Knicks go, I really haven't been starting anyone on New York while they've been in this funk. Even Julius Randle hasn't been startable lately. I mean, you're still going to do it because at some point he'll break out of it, but even Julius Randle. The guy that I started was Nerlens Noel when Mitchell Robinson was out, and they flipped in this one. Mitchell Robinson was in, and Noel was out, but I wasn't at my computer, or I would have probably dropped Robinson into my lineup. When he's a starting center with nobody behind him, you kind of have to, and he didn't have a great ball game, but it was like good enough. You're going to get good enough from starter Mitchell Robinson with Taj Gibson as the backup center, but everybody else is not worth it right now. Knicks are a mess. Sacramento got blown out again, but only by... It was 17 was a final score, but they were losing by 20 for a pretty good stretch there. Uh, at least the players did better individually. Harrison Barnes bounced back. Rashawn Holmes continues to be a buy low. Halliburton wasn't great, but stuff. Davion Mitchell filled in nicely uh, with no Darren Fox and no Terrence Davis. I thought we'd see more Buddy Healed. We sort of did. He played 30 minutes, but he didn't do much with him. Marvin Bagley played 23 with no amazing metu behind him to back him up. But, you know, at least they scored a little bit. And Atlanta's been on a pretty good run lately. They didn't need their starters to run deep into this game. Trey was fine. Bogdan Bogdanovich went after his old team. And he's an ad if he got dropped anywhere. Onyeko Kongwa went big off the bench, but he's... I mean, this is going to be the kind of game that keeps him on rosters a little bit longer, but this is also about as high a minute number as he's going to see, 19 and change. Clint Capella is generally going to get about 28, 29. And in this one, he didn't have to come in, so they went to the third string action late in the ballgame. And thus, guys like John Collins, Clint Capella, DeAndre Hunter, who you guys know I'm kind of down on anyway, Rough ones. I mean, this is and this is the fear with a guy like Hunter. Not necessarily that a game's going to be a blowout at halftime and he's only going to play 17 minutes, but if he's not getting volume, what else is there? It worries me. He, he'll probably get dropped, and he shouldn't. He's going to be a back-end kind of guy, which is fine. That cuts the mustard. I still really want to see Gallo get cut loose. He has fantasy chops, but he needs about two more minutes reliably, and about... Two more touches per game, maybe more than anything. It's not there yet, and it might not get there at all, but I've constantly got my eye on him just to see what shakes out. Brooklyn rested James Harden. He was gassed after that Laker game, and, and so in this one, they really didn't have anything. Congrats, by the way, to the Nets for keeping this game competitive. It had sort of no real reason to be competitive, but the Randos hung in there. LaMarcus Aldridge started, of course, against Jokic. He's going to see big minutes 18-8 and eight with a block. Patty Mills, of course, he was going to get to do a bunch as effectively the lead horse on this team. Uh, Kessler Edwards had 9-6 with a couple of blocks. Cam Thomas had 25 and almost nothing else. This was the stream-everybody game if we knew that, that Harden wasn't going to be playing. But I think the Nets are back out on the road in the next one, so all of it just gets detonated because Kyrie shows back up. Jokic was in foul trouble, and DeMarcus Cousins actually had a really good first half and then got tossed in the second half, which is so classic DeMarcus. Will Barton double-doubled in his best game in a long while. Austin Rivers got hot with seven threes, but you're not buying into that nonsense. Jeff Green cooled off. Aaron Gordon cooled off. And Jokic, even in foul trouble, just punching along. He's automatic. 26-10-8, two threes a steal on terrific percentages again. What a monster. What a freaking bona fide monster. Chicago beat Toronto in a game that wasn't really a shootout. It was a star out. As in, the Stars played big minutes, which we knew was going to happen with Toronto, but we love to see it on the Chicago side as well. Pascal Siakam, 43 minutes. Expect him to miss a game soon. Just bank on it. Chris Boucher cooled off a little bit. He still got 29 minutes, so I have no fear there at all. Still got himself a three ball and a couple of blocks, so salvage did. Gary Trent got kicked for clapping at an official to get his second tee of the ballgame, but he's been coming on hot here lately. Ananobi's been coming on. A lot of good things in Toronto because they play their guys too many minutes. Zach Levine, too many minutes, but he had a good big ball game. Vooch, DeRozan, same general story. Io Desumu still played 38 minutes with the Stars back, but only 7-2-4 and four with a steal. He's a hole for now, mostly because the minutes are gigantic. And if you're out there that long... With three terrific basketball players, you're going to get some open looks. You're going to fall into some steals and blocks just from existing. You're going to fall into some rebounds, some assists. This is just a down game. That said, if it really does turn out that there's not enough for him with all three of the non-Lonzos back, then we move on. But, I I mean, I find it very hard to move on from a guy who plays 38 minutes in a ballgame. Hold. I gotta say hold. Memphis-San Antonio game that ended up, it looked like the Grizzlies were going to pull away in this thing, and then the, the Spurs did a nice job to make it fun again in the fourth quarter. There's really nothing on the San Antonio side on a night-to-night basis. Keldon Johnson had a better ball game, but I don't care. We all just want Devin Vassell to get cut loose, but it doesn't seem like that's going to be happening anytime soon. The real news in this ball game is that Desmond Bain is back for Memphis. He's got his starting job back. He's got all the minutes back that we're starting to go to De'Anthony Melton, and so we're right back where we started. Bum, bum, bum. JJJ had a huge one. Mega block game. Brandon Clark, not as good as I wanted, but I'll take it. That's a hold type of performance for him. You want the percentages. You want the defensive stats. You want a handful of rebounds. That's all you're looking for with Brandon Clark. That's enough, but Melton's the issue. And look, we just talked about stashes. We talked about Melton earlier in the show. Can you hold him for two weeks to see if he gets moved? I think the answer has to be yes. If you can hold Shengun for four months, you can hold Melton for two weeks. One of them is more disappointing than the other because of expectations, but it's a time thing. If either one of those guys cracks open their fantasy potential, Melton, top 50. Shengun, probably top 60, top 70. I mean, these are difference maker types, where when you're this close to the trade deadline, you can't worry about what got you to this point. So I'm holding Melton. I'm putting him on my bench where I can. I'll just start him in head-to-head leagues and hope that he can sort of slowly move the ball forward, which that's not a guarantee these days. But I don't see how you can drop him this close to the trade deadline. It just doesn't make... It's bad business. It's bad business. If he gets moved, he's a league winner type of guy. You end up with like a fourth rounder that fell into your lap. That's colossal. Those guys, we—I mean, we just talked about it at the beginning of the show. Guys in the top fifty, I think right now every player in the top fifty, with the maybe the exception, depending on your league, of Desmond Bain was drafted. I think Bain was the only one who wasn't like universally drafted, and uh, Gary Trent Jr. was the other. Two guys in the top 50 that were not universally drafted. So if one falls into your lap, that's a really, really big deal. Hey, before we jump on to the next one, I wanted to remind you guys about our partnership with the great folks over at Manscaped.com. Use promo code ETHOS20 to get 20% off and free shipping on whatever you get at Manscaped.com. The best in men's grooming. Two free gifts, actually. If you shop there right now, two free gifts, boxers, a toiletry bag with your purchase of the performance or perfect package 4.0, which includes the lawnmower 4.0 and other delightful accoutrements. The weed whacker, that's for ear and nose hair. The crop preserver, that's a deodorant, a toner and a shaving mat all comes in the performance package 4.0. That's 120 bucks. Minus 20%, so you knock $24 off of that guy. And the perfect package 4.0 is just 100 bucks. That's a lot more 4.0. Uh, it has the deodorant, the toner and the shaving mat does not include the ear and nose hair trimmer, but you could get that for 80 with our coupon code. And again, right now you get the bonus boxers and toiletry bag at Manscaped.com with promo code ethos20. If you don't want to go whole hog, yeah, I know, I know. I probably should have rethought that. But if you don't want to do that, you can get smaller things. You can get the lawnmower 4.0 by itself, the lawnmower 3.0 by itself, which, by the way, I'm actually a massive fan of the lawnmower 3.0. The plow, that's a single blade razor. The shaver, that's a three blade razor with the, the lubrication strip. The weed whacker, we already told you about that. Shears, that's a luxury nail kit. Repl- replacement blades for any of this stuff. Deodorant, we've talked about. Boxers, T-shirt. Want to wear a Manscape T-shirt? Hell yeah, you do. I got one. Wear it around the house. Chapstick, lip balm. They got it all at Manscape.com. Use promo code ETHOS20 to get 20% off and free shipping on your order. It's good stuff, people. Please just go check it out. Tell them Dan sent you. They won't care. All right, let's wrap up the yesterday review. Just a couple games left on the docket. We had Stash Thursday, everybody. I really, again, cannot say enough. Cannot stress enough how you need to make sure you're sitting on DeAnthony Melton. If that thing if that thing lands, if that ship lands. Anyway, Phoenix beat Utah 105-97. This was a weird one where the Suns kind of messed around a little bit. Everybody other than Devin Booker was kind of messing around in this game. Bismack Biombo is the start now. Uh, Javel McGee is out in addition to DeAndre Ayton being out. And uh, so Bismack is a guy you need to be streaming. Cam Johnson, slower game here, but you need to stream him when Jay Crowder is out. Those, those are pretty clear-cut ones. Mikhail Bridges played 45 minutes in this game. Wasn't super involved, and that's kind of been an issue this year, is that it, it actually feels like Devin Booker, and even to a smaller extent, I guess, Chris Paul, have done more this season for Phoenix. It's a weird reaction for a team who lost in the finals for the Stars to say, maybe we need to just do more in the regular season. I think this is just what it is. It's what it's going to be this year for Mikael Bridges. He's just going to be down a couple rounds from where we all thought he would be, but he's still quite durable and, you know, still a guy you roll out there every night. So don't panic. Everything's fine. Just, you know, not going to be quite where we wanted. On the Utah side, still no Donovan Mitchell, although the latest report is that they're hoping to have him back by the weekend, which would render... Jordan Clarkson back outside the 12-team bubble. Rudy Gobert, no timeline yet on his calf strain. I thought it would be a couple of weeks. Initial report was that they were he was hoping to be back in less than a week. That really surprised me because calf stuff doesn't just disappear like that. So roll Hassan Whiteside out there as long as you can. He missed some free throws in this game that torpedoed what was actually otherwise a pretty good ball game for him. Royce O'Neal is also startable. When Rudy Gobert is out, he gets to do a little bit extra. And then uh, Joe Ingles has moved back outside the cut line. On the on Bogdanovich front, we now know he's playing through an avulsion fracture. And I don't know that we can just necessarily blame any bad shooting game on that. But remember, he was playing through a wrist thing, was it last year or two years ago? Who knows? The seasons have all run together at this point. And his shooting did take a pretty good hit. He's already a guy that's just barely startable in 12 teams. So if this wrist thing knocks his field goal percent or free throw percent down at all, he's probably outside the must-start department. He probably falls more into a streamer category. So something definitely to keep an eye on there. On the Utah side, which finally, that team had no fantasy stories at all for three months, and now all of a sudden they've got a whole bunch of stuff happening at the same time. Not much of it good. Dallas got a little bit of revenge here, not necessarily against the Blazers, but just from what happened the previous night in Golden State. And everybody got involved. Luka triple-double, Porzingis, slightly slower game because no blocks for KP. That's usually where the the juice comes from. Uh, Jalen Brunson had the big one for Dallas, and that's a really nice game. If you can sell Brunson for like a top 80, I think you should. We just heard his name pop up in New York Knicks trade rumors which would be horrible for him unless the Knicks unloaded one of their, like, nine point guards on the roster. Much better for him to stick around in Dallas, and I think they like what they've got there. Dallas would have to be getting a pretty good return back on that one. Maxi Kleber had his weird pops-up-every-once-in-a-while game when Porzingis is healthy. We know Kleber's a start when Porzingis is out. This is not the usual so, uh, yeah, I mean, no real valuation changes on the Dallas side. It's still Luka, KP, and Brunson. And then for Portland, uh, no Nasir Little, no Rob Covington in this game. So Tony Snell moved into the starting lineup. Norman Powell kind of retook his starting lineup job, but had a horrible time shooting the basketball. Missed all of his shots from the field pretty much. Missed a bunch of his free throws too. Those That's weird, but that'll come around. I do still continue to wonder if... When fully healthy, and we still don't have a timeline on Larry Nance, do they leave Norman Powell on the bench to say, hey, look, come off the bench, take 15, 16 shots a game, because the rest of these bench guys are not going to score much. Or do they flip him back in the starting lineup, try to maximize the starters? Nasir Little moves back to the bench. We shall see. Little has been streamable lately. He's had some good games. Prior to that, he really wasn't using his extra minutes all that effectively. So I'm probably going to leave that one alone, especially now that he's dinged up a little bit. Covington's a hold. Nance is a tough hold right now because we just don't know when he's coming back. So again, really only you know what your team's makeup is at this point. Can you squad on a guy who, prior to going down, was rolling at a top 75, top 80 clip as a starter? That's pretty good. We talked about it before. There are really only two waiver wire type guys that have hit the top 50 this year. And both of them were generally drafted at the ends of drafts. Desmond Bain... Gary Trent Jr. If you can find a waiver guy in the 50 to 80 range, that's a big deal. And I guess Larry Nance was drafted and then dropped. So, I don't know, a little bit of a different story. Anthony Simons had a better ball game here. CJ McCollum is kind of getting his legs back. He looks okay. Decent enough. So, no, again, no real valuation changes. Just notable in that a couple guys were out. So, Norman Powell got shoved back into the starting lineup. Was it going to happen this game anyway? It might have or they might've been thinking about kind of warming them up a little bit to it and then get there. Either way, it's probably the end point. Anyway, only two games tonight. Lakers in Philly, taking on the Sixers. Philly only a one and a half point favorite. That is remarkable. It's either a, a goof, a goofball line or a trap line. Couldn't tell you, but I would certainly lean to the Philadelphia side. Minnesota's in golden state. Warriors favored by five and a half. Should be a fun ball game. Uh, Minnesota probably needs Patrick Beverly if they're going to win this game in Golden State. I don't know how they deal with Steph without him. But who knows? And Andrew Wiggins usually usually plays well against his former team. Uh, he's been kind of right on the cut line, actually, lately since the Warriors got healthy. That's notable. You're not going to drop him. He plays too many minutes. Uh, but there is kind of a resettling going on in Golden State. And if this is one of the ones where you're like, oh, maybe I should use him today, the answer is probably yes. Because he does have good games against the Wolves. Historically, he's been better than his average. Whatever that means. The game that pulls the average up a little bit. Tomorrow, we'll wrap the week up. We can Review. Friday show. You guys know how that stuff goes. Check out all of our partners once again. Thank you to everybody that has uh, either purchased something at Manscaped.com or gotten themselves an ExpressVPN slash HoopBall membership or opened up an account at MyBookie. Uh, got a tweet this morning asking about Thrive Fantasy. Appreciate that, guys. Check it out. Keep looking into it if you haven't already. Again, how many $10 have we made you over the last however many years? I mean, my bookie alone, we've probably made you $110 with just their odds boosts and free wagers and stuff like that. Surely you can take 10 bucks. and and open up an account at thrivefantasy.com using promo code ethos. I know we told you about it earlier in the show, but I really want to hammer that one into you. They've been a really cool partner here for the last couple of months. Let's keep that going with your partnership. I am Dan Vespers. This is Fantasy NBA Today. A sports ethos presentation. I will talk to you guys on social media at Dan Vespers. D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. Have a lovely Thursday. Back at you tomorrow.